0: Welcome to Current Radio's technology station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. Celeste, have you heard about Tunnel? It's a South African parcel shipping platform that's just secured a cool $1 million in pre-seed funding.
1: Oh, who are the investors?
0: A few names you might recognize, Founders Factory Africa, Digital Africa Ventures, E4E Africa, and Josie Angels. They're planning to use the funding to expand in South Africa And
1: wait, James, let's back up a bit. What's so special about Tunnel? What do they do?
0: Great question, Celeste. Tunnel is making international shipping more affordable for e-commerce merchants. They claim to save merchants between 50% and 80% on shipping costs. This is a big deal, especially in emerging markets like South Africa, where shipping costs can often surpass the value of the products being sold.
1: That's a significant saving. How does Tunnel achieve this?
0: They formed partnerships with major courier services like UPS and FedEx, secured suitable rates, and then they subsidize the shipping costs for SMEs by 50 to 75%. And they're all about transparency and democratization in their pricing, according to their COO, Craig Lohman.
1: So they're leveling the playing field for small businesses. That's impressive. But what's the experience like for the customer?
0: On the 2 platform, Customers are offered various shipping options during checkout. They can opt for an economy option with the shipping cost included in the product price, which means free shipping but with a slightly longer delivery time. Or they can choose faster shipping options with FedEx or UPS at a more reasonable cost.
1: That sounds like a smart move. Offering customers multiple shipping options could certainly help in reducing cart abandonment. But where are most of these parcels being shipped to?
0: Primarily, the U.S., the U.K., Europe, and Australia. Interestingly, two-thirds of the parcels end up in the U.S. They're handling a wide range of products, from backpacks and fashion footwear, to arts and crafts, and even non-perishable products like cosmetics.
1: What about the wine, James? South Africa is known for its wine industry.
0: You're absolutely right, Celeste. While they haven't included wine shipping yet due to existing restrictions, They're in talks with one of the largest wine subscription businesses in South Africa to potentially venture into that business.
1: That's promising. And it sounds like Tunnel is making a real difference for merchants in South Africa.
0: Indeed, they're transforming businesses, helping them grow internationally. It's a win-win for the ecosystem.
1: So what's next for Tunnel?
0: They'll be using their seed funding to improve sales and the onboarding process for new merchants. They've already streamlined the onboarding experience to a more self-service approach. It's certainly a company to watch. From shipping platforms making waves in South Africa, let's shift our focus to the tech scene in San Francisco. In the heart of Silicon Valley, a promising startup is coming out of stealth mode, aiming to revolutionize the banking sector with its innovative foundation models. Let's delve into the details. So Celeste, have you heard about Hyperplane? They're a San Francisco-based startup that's building foundation models to help banks predict customer behavior. They're emerging from stealth mode today with a $6 million funding round.
1: Oh, interesting, who's leading the funding?
0: Well, the round was led by former Stripe exec Lachi Groom and included several other investors. The idea is to help banks use their first-party data to predict user behavior and create personalized experiences.
1: That sounds like it could be really beneficial for banks. Are they working with any yet?
0: Yes. They're currently working with about a dozen banks in Brazil and are planning to expand to the US soon. They're also looking at bringing their technology to other verticals in the future.
1: Who are the brains behind this operation?
0: The company was co-founded by Felipe Lemunier, Daniel Silva, Rohan Ramanath, and Felipe Meneses. Lemunier, the CEO, has a background in edtech, while Silva and Ramanath have experience building large-scale AI systems at Google and LinkedIn. They're looking to build a personalization layer for banks across the world using first-party data.
1: That's quite a team. But how can banks' data be more valuable than, say, data from Google or Facebook?
0: Well, as Lamounier points out, banks have granular data about their customers that isn't available to other services. For example, banks know the kind of restaurants their customers go to, what grocery stores they shop at, and even their affordability when they use services like Uber. This data can be more revealing of behavior than say, uh, visiting a Porsche website.
1: So they're looking to give banks the tools to create personalized experiences like we see with other online platforms.
0: Exactly, Celeste. They provide banks with APIs to build these personalization models on the fly. They offer two modules currently, one for building audience segments and another for creating lookalike audiences to expand potential target audiences.
1: And I assume they're mindful of privacy concerns with all this data.
0: Absolutely. The team stressed that all deployments are private, and they don't do any data sharing. They're using their own models for this.
1: What kind of results are they seeing so far?
0: Well, one example they gave was a neobank in Brazil that increased transaction volume by 46% by getting a clearer vision of the estimated income of its customers. They're definitely making waves in the banking industry.
1: It will be intriguing to see how this plays out as they expand, especially into the U.S. market.
0: Indeed, Celeste. It's a fascinating intersection of finance and technology and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on Hyperplane's progress. From innovative tech startups revolutionizing the banking industry, let's now take a flight of fancy and soar into the world of aviation. But hold on to your seats, folks, because this isn't your typical jet fuel we're talking about. Celeste, have you ever heard of AeroBrew? So Celeste, have you ever heard of AeroBrew?
1: AeroBrew? Sounds like a fancy coffee or something. What's it about, James?
0: Well, it's not a coffee, but it might just be the future of aviation fuel. Metafuels, a company out of Zurich, is creating this sustainable aviation fuel, or ESAF for short. They're using renewable electricity to-
1: Wait, renewable electricity, how does that work?
0: Good question. They're focusing on jet fuel, and the goal is to create a 100% synthetic jet fuel substitute by 2030. The fuel needs to function in all sorts of environments, from freezing high altitudes to sweltering airstrips. As Lee Hackett, co-founder and CCO at Metafuels said, operational safety is paramount from fuel handling on the ground to high altitude combustion performance.
1: That's quite the ambition, but how are they planning to achieve this?
0: Well, they've just secured an $8 million investment to help them on their way. They're looking at the rising cost of conventional fuels, environmental taxation, and increasing pressure for sustainability as factors that will offset their initial production costs. They've got some competition though, like LanzaJet.
1: Interesting, but back to the renewable electricity part, how does that come into play?
0: Their ESAF technology actually converts green methanol into ESAF. Methanol is produced from hydrogen and sustainably sourced carbon dioxide. Green H2 is generated from water electrolysis driven by renewable electricity, and CO2 can be captured from biogenic sources like waste and residue. In the future, they're planning to start direct air capture, which is— Direct air capture? That sounds
1: like science fiction.
0: It does, doesn't it? But it's actually part of their long-term plan. They want to capture gas, put it into planes, which then fly through the air and release it back into the air. It's almost poetic.
1: That's quite a vision. And all this while we wait for battery or hydrogen powered planes to really take off. But how will this new fuel work with current aircraft?
0: That's the beauty of it, Celeste. According to Surab Kapoor, CEO and co-founder of Metafuels, their aerobrew can fuel aircraft without any modifications. It's a form of kerosene, so it can use the same pipelines, infrastructure, storage, transportation, and aircraft.
1: That's quite a game changer. It seems like Metafuels is really setting out to change the landscape of sustainable jet fuel. I'm excited to see where this goes.
0: From the future of aviation fuel, we now shift to a more immediate concern that's affecting millions. In a world where everything is interconnected, our next story highlights how this can also create vulnerabilities. Let's talk about cyber warfare and how it's increasingly becoming a part of modern conflict. Cyber warfare, Celeste, is increasingly a part of modern conflict. Just look at Ukraine's largest telecom operator, Kyivstar. They've been hit with a massive cyber attack that's disrupted services for millions.
1: That's right, James. The attack has caused a technical failure, leaving customers without mobile connections or internet access. And we're not talking small numbers here. Kyivstar serves over 24 million cell phone subscribers and more than 1.1 million home internet users.
0: And it's not just about the inconvenience to individuals, right? Officials in the northern Ukrainian city of Sumy have warned that their air raid alert system was also affected due to the Kyivstar outage.
1: That's a serious... Security concern, absolutely. The CEO of Kyivstar, Oleksandr Komarov, has pointed the finger at Russia for the outage. He said... The war with the Russian Federation has many dimensions, and one of them is in cyberspace.
0: However, Ukraine's state special communications service isn't as quick to point fingers. They've said it's too early to draw conclusions, and that an investigation into the incident is ongoing. Specialists from the government computer emergency response team are also involved.
1: But James, while the investigation is ongoing, the service disruption continues. Komarov admitted that it's not completely clear when they'll be able to restore normal operations. Vion, Kyivstar's parent company, said its technical teams are working on eliminating the consequences of the attack.
0: Kyivstar has apologized for the inconvenience and promised to compensate users affected by the outage. They've also assured that the personal data of subscribers has not been compromised. A silver lining in an otherwise grim
1: situation. And it's not just Kyivstar. Monobank, one of Ukraine's largest financial institutions, also reported being targeted by hackers. They experienced a massive DDoS attack, but the bank's co-founder, Oleg Gorokhovsky reassured that everything is under control.
0: It's a sobering reminder, Celeste, of how intertwined our digital and physical worlds have become. And in times of conflict, it's not just the battleground that's affected, but also the digital infrastructure that keeps a nation running.
1: Indeed, James. It underlines the importance of robust cybersecurity measures, not only for corporations and financial institutions, but also for essential services like telecoms and alert systems.